Hold down. Hold silent. Going, going, going. Go, Welcome to the Current Market Insights Podcast, brought to you by Harris Partners Real Estate. Each episode, we chat with real estate author and industry leader Peter O'Malley to discuss the current property market conditions and provide insights to assist you on your property journey. Hello and welcome to another edition of Current Market Insights. I'm your host, Kieran O'Brien, and this week with me is the principal of Harris Partners Real Estate, Mr. Peter O'Malley. Peter, how are you? Oh, really well, Kieran. Great to see you. Great to see you, Peter. I was reading an article today, Peter, in Bloomberg that was talking about financial markets in the US, uh, and it was talking about whether or not it's too early to start predicting what's going to happen in the markets over there in 2024. And I thought, given your love of predictions in property, it might be a good idea to sit down today and just get the same kind of sense from you. Is it too early to start predicting 2024 in property? I don't think it's too early to predict 2024, Kieran. Whether one is right or not remains to be seen. Well, I know that uh, in all of our chats, Peter, you tend to be right more often than not. So I'd be very keen to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, what you think is, is likely to happen, what the market is kind of saying in this area, and, and whether or not you think, you know, the RBA's decisions and, and the bank's decisions are in step with, with what really is happening in the market. Look, I think the fuel price and rents will continue to put pressure on inflation, which will continue to put upward pressure on interest rates, upward pressure on interest rates is not good for the property market. There seems to be quite a few fairly optimistic uh, assessments, mainly from the banks, about what uh, is likely to come in 2024. Yeah, whilst I'd like to think that many of my uh, uh, forecasts about the property market have proven to be correct over the years, I certainly don't lay claim to have picked it this year, that's for sure. I was expecting the property market to be under enormous pressure this year with uh, the RBA being forced to cut rates um, due to households being under under pressure, and that's clearly not the case. So most people were predicting the same thing this year, that households would be under pressure as the mortgage cliff hit, and that hasn't happened. We've discussed in previous episodes the extra runway that households have had through the sale of assets, investment properties, reducing expenses, etc. So I'm not saying that the issues that were causing my forecast for 2023 have disappeared. I'm probably of the view, Kieran, that the, uh, the issues are likely to play out a little bit later later in time, i.e. they're likely to play out in 2024. Maybe not drastically, maybe drastically, but uh, I think the property market will face some further challenges going into next year. We'll touch on a little bit your predictions and what you've mentioned about how you thought the market would go one way and, and some of the factors that have led to that. I'm interested to draw back to your comments from the bank that are primarily, or the banks, that are primarily predicting rises in property prices next year. Do you think that their predictions are based on their genuine belief that the market will actually go forward? Or do you think they're playing a little bit of a game with people and potentially trying to create a bit of a frenzy around, hey, the prices will keep going. Now's a great time to grab a mortgage and get in the market. Look, with respect, many of the bank's forecasts have been the least accurate in the last decade. So I'm not being critical there. I'm just telling you as an avid market watcher, what my research into forecasts tells me. It's it's nearly so bad that the market does the opposite of what the retail banks are forecasting it to do. And they've had some doozies, of course, the 20% drop in property prices at the beginning of COVID. That clearly didn't come to fruition, thankfully. In fairness to the banks, I think that's what their modelling was showing them at the time 
and and their research was about signalling to the federal government of the day, you need to do something drastic here to avoid an absolute wipeout or carnage in the property market and the economy as a whole. And clearly the federal government of the day did, did come in loud and large into the economy with stimulus to support us through the COVID lockdowns and the like. But yes, of all of the people that put forward a forecast into the property market, um, the retail banks have got the poorest record. Going on with that, talking about the banks and and some of the predictions that they've made and how it is a little bit challenging. And we've talked about previously the fact that some of this modelling that the RBA uses and clearly the banks use are not only maybe you know slightly impractical in the market, but they're also very delayed. Do you think that the banks, are, are they ever a chance of changing how they do view the marketplace? Or do you think that they're really beholden due to their size to, to just kind of stick to this method of modelling? I think they're looking at the issues at play and what they deem will be dominant. So they're clearly factoring in that interest rates might have one more increase to go at, at, at the very least. I think that's in a lot of the bank's forecast that rates have not peaked. But conversely, they think wages will continue to rise, migration will continue to put pressure on housing, there's not enough supply going to market. So the property market and what dictates the outcome of the property market is always fascinating and it's never straightforward. There's always conflicting elements that are pulling the market one way or the other. But when you put all of the major issues together at the moment, I think the retail banks are coming out at somewhere between 3 and 6% collectively at the moment for 2024. That's not an outlandish forecast by anyone's uh, stretch of the imagination. It's certainly um, not predicting a 10% rise as I saw a few months ago, even though we have had a 12% rise in Sydney this year that very few, if anyone, predicted it to, to be as strong as it has been in 2023. So I think the banks are well researched in, in with their modelling and what they've put forward for 2024. Uh, it just remains to be seen if it unfolds that way. So given that the banks are predicting a modest rise, as you say, between 3 and 6%, are there any commentators or any financial institutions out there, maybe not banks, that are, you know, may, may hold a counter view to what the, the big banks are saying? I think the two main ones seem to be Shane Oliver and Louis Christopher. Shane Oliver of AMP, Louis Christopher of SQM Research. They think that uh, another interest rate rise um, in February, I think they're all tipping the RBA will need to go again. Yep. Yeah, the banks uh, as well, I think. And the banks as well. That's, that'll come in February. Shane Oliver and Louis Christopher think that that will put absolute pressure on households and force people to sell out against their wishes and and level off initially and, and potentially push down property prices throughout 2024. Really interesting to note today that uh, SQM Research uh, highlighted that, that both the Sydney and Melbourne property markets recorded a sub-50% auction clearance rate for last weekend for the first time in 12 months that both cities were sub 50 percent so that means more people have failed going to the auction market last week than have succeeded of course and if that were systemic trend well clearly inventory then builds up very quickly and the thing that's protected vendors throughout 2023 is a lack of stock meaning they've been able to sort of nearly bully or coerce the buyers into paying their price or I'm not selling to you and you've got nothing else out there that you can choose from, that advantage that vendors have enjoyed right through this year will begin to disappear. I think it was only last week, Peter, we uh, we talked about the fact that 
Louis had reported that the stock levels, in fact, were higher than they had been for quite a long time as well. That's right. And now we've got a, a clearance rate that's lower, which feeds into exactly what you're saying, that there is more stock. Sellers are starting to regain their power that they may have lost during some of this time. Yes. And it does make it much harder for buyers to just be, you know, dig their heels in and be stubborn. Yeah, if we go to auctioneer Tom Panos, he recorded, I think it was an auction clearance rate of 5 out of 13 last Saturday. I think it was 5 out of 13. Forgive me if that's not correct. And uh, I think it it was three of those sold prior to, to the auction. Yeah, right. So two two out of 13 under the hammer, is that what Yeah, that's saying? right. Yeah, and, and three sold prior. So five successful campaigns, if we want to use the industry standard out of, out of, out of 13. That's a sample, of course, of one auctioneer. What uh, Tom Panos was saying in his commentary is that the spring rush of listings has come late this year, but it has come. You mentioned the Shane Oliver that – is one of the people that is predicting uh, either a stall or a bit of a, a drop in prices next year, partially because of just the pressure on households. Uh, I read something this week from him that he uh, also felt that we were heading into a period in 2024 where we are likely to see rising unemployment. Given that employment's been pretty stable for a long time, have you seen any indications or do you think there's any rationale behind why he thinks that all of a sudden we're just going to see rising unemployment across the country? No, but what I would say about Shane Oliver, I, I love his commentary because he's he doesn't suffer from confirmation bias. And a lot of these people that are in the forecasting game and that's why I don't like to make too many forecasts because it's very easily to become afflicted with confirmation bias. But Shane Oliver, he's not one of those. He's an economist. He follows the data. He's pragmatic. He's grounded. He's not trying to prove any particular point other than helping consumers at large understand where where markets are going. And if he says that inflation and interest rates are going up in 2024, as is unemployment, we are talking about a stagflation scenario there. The political pain for the government, if that were to unfold as per Shane Oliver's prediction, will be enormous because that would just show, that that, that would suggest that there's many difficult days ahead for the economy. Yeah, it may very well lead into a recessionary period uh, that we, you know, all of us here want to avoid, no doubt. Yeah, if if we saw rising unemployment and falling inflation, that's not such a bad thing, funny enough, mm. because the RBA has then got room to cut rates. That's the nuance in what we've just discussed about stagflation. I'll be honest, uh, the more reading I do and the more we talk about the levers or the lever of the RBA, uh, the more I realise that, in fact, really their, their decisions are – longitudinal you know they have to make them quite a way in advance to try and impact inflation on the ground and it's very easy as a as an observer to get frustrated with what they're doing and think gosh this is not sustainable or it's not fair or it's not whatever but as you say they can tackle stagflation by cutting rates and trying to bring the economy back under control but that's a lever that takes a few months to actually flow into society yeah indeed it's a thankless task it's an impossible task but you're right about one thing it is unfair the the rba in managing the economic levers can't think about fairness they they have they have three options every month increase decrease or leave as is that's all they're playing with to manage i think australia's got the 12th largest economy in the world yeah it's a broad economy a diverse economy and you've got three levers each month in which to control it with monetary policy and that's why they're so frustrated with governments of the day who haven't had the right fiscal policy in place to support their monetary efforts 
Yeah, it's definitely a tough situation. Uh, I want to step back to uh, something that you mentioned earlier, Peter, talking about, uh, again, you know, rising interest rates, mortgage stress and, and the challenges that will place on families. Are there any examples that we've seen in other, you know, similar economies around the world where they have gone aggressive on monetary policy and it has resulted in a shift in the property market? Uh, look, I think New Zealand is one of the economies that's most closely aligned with Australia in terms of similarity, as is Canada. In in New Zealand, the RBNZ, they've been much more aggressive with rate rises than what the RBA have, and they have actually caused uh, a sharp downturn in property prices there. It was a very overheated market, and because it's a much uh, numerically smaller market than what uh, uh, Australia and Sydney and Melbourne are, it's, it's, it's much more easily manipulated and by that I mean there's a lot of foreign buying coming into New Zealand that the previous Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern clamped down on. Uh, so in combination with rising rates and stopping the foreign buying coming into New Zealand, they've had a pretty sharp correction in prices there. It'll be painful in the short term but in terms of first home buyers, people getting on the property ladder, protecting the, the you know the, the locals there in New Zealand, the medium to long term gain will be immense for for the New Zealand economy. I know the uh, the Auckland economy in particular, well, the Auckland housing market was propped up in many ways by the Chinese government's Belt and Road Initiative. I know they were doing massive uh, massive infrastructure there and then purchasing up land as well. Given that that has changed, that landscape there has changed. Do you think that could be a contributing factor to why we're starting to see a bit of a resurgence in foreign investment here in Australia? Is it becoming more, more I guess, palatable or uh, profitable again? Well, look, the number of Chinese buyers buying top-end housing in Australia is now a mainstream issue. We've touched on it throughout the year. We were seeing it as soon as President Xi got his third term late last year and sort of opened up China for, for, for business and all ready to go again. And um, we just saw on the ground, you know, people flying in from China to to buy properties and of all price points, but primarily uh, high-end housing. So I don't think there's an overspill from Chinese pinballing across from New Zealand because they've had the door closed on them over there, so to speak. I think Chinese money's spilling out everywhere across the world. And um, I'm glad it's a mainstream issue because... We're not uh, beating up on Chinese buyers. We're just telling people what we're seeing as realtors on the ground. And um, the Chinese buying and the Chinese presence on the ground has is probably three or fourfold what it was uh, uh, 12 months ago. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, as you say, every open home, there certainly seems to be a higher proportion of foreign buyers than there, there was at this time last year and definitely the year before. Oh, and in certain markets, it's exclusively Chinese buyers. Yeah, well, where I live anyway, out in Strathfield, it's almost uh, 100%, that's yeah. for sure. I... Read another article this week, all related to this topic, that mentioned that the current levels or rates of mortgage distress or uh, you know mortgagee sales was hovering somewhere around about 0.9% uh, of all sales. This was reported by one of the banks. Uh, that to me seems like a pretty low figure. Given what we've just talked about and given that uh, New Zealand managed to break their, their property market through aggressive policy, do you think there is a cash rate that we could potentially get to that may trigger the same kind of distress in this market here? Oh, a- absolutely. And we may already be at what they call the terminal rate uh, for um, I- interest rates where there's no need to increase interest rates further to bring down inflation. The current rate that it's at is bringing the inflation down by itself, which is why so many economists were up in arms about the rate rise uh, uh, last week. It's great to hear that mortgage distress 
is low, but we must keep in mind that there is there's tens of thousands of people that need to come off their COVID-era home loan onto current market rate and refinance. Combine that with the point that we made last week is being able to pay an elevated mortgage rate for three months, for six months, even for 12 months is one thing. Being able to live for 12, 18 months, two years with mortgage rates at that elevated level, that's the next level test for the market. Interest rates are never going back in this cycle to where they were during COVID. So most people who purchased a property through that time will have to uh, will have to live with with rates higher than they expected them to be. Thankfully, the way the RBA have managed these rate increases, it has given vulnerable households time to make adjustments in their spending and their management of their finances to adjust for the higher interest rate environment. But we are going to have, as the nickname uh, uh, suggests, we are going to have a cliff, a mortgage cliff, where a, a lot of people are going to experience double, some cases triple, mortgage rate increases overnight essentially. And um, you would, if you're timelining that, you'd probably say that by um, March to June next year, that'll be in full full swing, not to mention that you've said every bank is predicting a rate rise in February at this stage. Is that right? Yeah, so I think uh, the, the commentary is that some of the banks feel there is another rate rise in the market still, uh, but the inflationary figures don't report until January. So That's they're not right. likely to, to make another decision, the quarterly reports until then. Yeah. So uh, interestingly, the same article that mentioned the 0.9% distress also uh, suggested that the average mortgage increase across the market is in real terms 52%. Now, we talk about small, you know, 25 basis point increases across the board. Uh, I think it's quite fair to say that for a lot of these people that are sitting on 1.8, 1.9%, 2% loans, to see at a minimum a 50% increase in their repayments is enormous, right? It's most people I don't think realise that, that the increases are that massive. All I can say there is if that's the case, you haven't been following the, the storyline, have you? That's my point is that I'd like to think that the RBA and uh, banks individually and mortgage brokers and relationship bankers have got in touch with their customers and said, tell me, tell me about your story. Tell me how you're going you're to be able to survive once, once your mortgage rate resets. Um, there's certainly been enough warning for people that it would be a shame if there are people that are um, completely blindsided to that degree. I think the more importantly or a more nuanced point, Kieran, is there, there, there will be many people who believe that they can survive under the new mortgage arrangement and then when they're living under it and having to pay it month in, month out, because as we know, if there's one envelope that arrives each month without, without fail, it's the mortgage repayment, can they sustain it genuinely month in, month out? That's the bigger question for next year. Yeah, absolutely. Look, as we wrap up tonight, Peter, I know you mentioned earlier in the episode you absolutely hate making forecasts, but that's what this whole episode's about. So we've got the big bank saying 3 to 6%. We've got Shane Oliver, who, as you say, is a great economist who uses the data. And Louis, who I believe is probably the only property commentator who pretty much got it right this year for the most part, all predicting different things. Where do you think we're headed into 2024? I'm not going to hold you to any of your answers, by the way. Look, I've got a feeling that we might be heading to a point where unemployment goes up, inflation goes up, therefore interest rates goes up, which is stagflation. That's that's what's shaping up for me. We've got inflation at the moment. 
dialing up interest rates to stop that. That's a straightforward binary play. The stagflation's a triangle. It's very, very hard to manage. Well, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to rest my hopes on Shane Oliver, Peter, and, and less so on the stagflation scenario that you've outlined tonight. Yeah, well, let's 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 hope there are uh, rate cuts um, um, in the in the second half of the year. But the market seems to think that will happen. The money markets and the RBA are saying twenty twenty five. So everything's fluid. Everything is subject to data, as the RBA keeps telling us. And if you listen to uh, certain economists like Stephen Kukoulos, they think the RBA have got it wrong, and that you'll see cuts a lot sooner than uh, one would have expected. And we can all live with that too. We can certainly live with that. Uh, certainly as fluid as is this podcast. If you listening out there have any ideas on things you'd like to hear from us, please reach out to us at uh, Harris Partners Real Estate or Current Market Insights. As always, my name's Kieran. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Peter, thanks for coming on board and, and talking with us again. Pleasure. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks, everyone. And we'll speak to you next time. Thanks for joining us on the Current Market Insights podcast, brought to you by Harris Partners Real Estate the podcast providing real estate insights you won't find anywhere else.